Welcome to the Pilgrim's Odyssey, your guide to life's wild ride. I'm your host, Silwan Green. Every day we share incredible stories and valuable lessons on life and faith. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to share this odyssey with your friends and neighbors so all of us together can let our light shine. Welcome friends, Silwan here and I am on a Pilgrim's Odyssey, one that seems like it just never ends. That's a good thing. Recently, as I mentioned, the last episode of the Pilgrim's Odyssey, I was in the Seattle, Washington area. And while there, among other journeys and jaunts that I made, I made a sort of pilgrimage to the childhood home of Kurt Cobain of Nirvana fame. It was to Aberdeen, Washington. That's where the little abode that he spent much of his childhood in Still there, well taken care of, I might add. You can go see it. It was the kind of trip that I really wasn't sure what to make of it when I headed down there. It kind of seemed silly in a, in a sense. You know, here I am going to see the childhood home of a rock star whom I enjoyed in my youth. Not even necessarily somebody that I looked up to. Love the music. His life was not necessarily something on the surface to uh, look up to, to want to emulate in any way. Yet, I just felt a need on this particular day to experience something, and it would be the childhood home of Kurt Cobain. Now, when you get to Aberdeen, it is kind of as it's described in many places, rainy, rains all the time, it's right there on the ocean, sticking out on the Olympic Peninsula. Shipping yards, run-down neighborhoods, run-down homes. Everything looks wet and green, kind of dreary and drab, to be honest with you. I mean, driving through there, and when you think of musicians and rock stars, you think of, like, lights and fame, and you don't see much lights and fame driving through Aberdeen. But I don't want to talk it down too much. It's still a lot of cool things in that town I found. Got a great bowl of clam and shrimp chowder, shrimp on the top. Uh, it's pretty cool architecture in places. It's a bigger town than I thought. You know, when I've read instances of Kurt Cobain talking about growing up in there in uh, Aberdeen, you know, he always made it seem like it was a small town, but it's not really a small town. Now, his home was small. Uh, not hard to find. If you go to the Kurt Cobain Memorial Park, right there. It gives you directions to his house. I think the home address is 1210. House is kind of small. They say it's a four-bedroom house, but it's not very big. I don't know how I got those four bedrooms stuck in there. It's well taken care of. Some Whoever owns it, a private owner owns it. If you go to my um, Podbean podcast page, you should be able to see a picture with the episode title on it and me standing in front of it. Small little home. I imagine it wasn't as well taken care of when he lived there because across the street is basically run-down small homes all along the street. Now, the one interesting thing I definitely found when I was visiting this town of Aberdeen, kind of run-down, kind of rainy, dirty streets, was the Kurt Cobain Memorial Park, right by a bridge over a river that... uh. Legend has it Kurt Cobain lived under the bridge for a while. Let me tell you something. River, 
is making this body of water sound much cooler than what it is. It's more like a river I have here in Indiana that's got runoff from the cornfields and it's all dark and brown and not very wide and kind of going through town. That was the river. And the bridge was just a small little bridge. If you went underneath it, it was mud. Nasty. I can't even imagine sleeping under this thing. And tons of graffiti under the bridge. People from all over the world coming to see Kurt Cobain. But if you ever visit there, or you Google it and look online, I mean, under that bridge, there's not much grass. I don't know where he slept. I imagine there was much drug use going on. Not much romantic about it. I imagine at the time when he was young and poor and probably down on his luck, he couldn't even imagine what was ahead of him in life, the fame, the fortune, and the lack of happiness that he thought he might have when he gets it. A lot of cool things in the Kurt Cobain Memorial Park. There's a big picture of him, kind of a pencil type drawing. I got a selfie on my Instagram account, me standing in front of it. More than a few people said, are you related to Kurt Cobain? No, I'm not. But it's kind of weird when you look at that picture and you see the little scruff on my face and the scruff on his face. Probably the biggest difference between the, the, the picture of me and him is he's got hair. And I don't, but there was a time, there was a time, listeners, that I had hair that long. Pretty cool in concrete metal guitar stand, Kurt's Air Guitar. I think that's pretty cool. It's kind of funny to say I took it with me. All of it, just in a small little area, right by the bank of this river, right before you would get to under the bridge when you would see all this riding. Graffiti's everywhere. I mean, you could tell this is like a pilgrimage. While I was there, just in the short time, I was in a random day during the middle of the week, mid-afternoon, and while I was there, at least eight to ten people walked through that park, and you could tell they were on that same kind of pilgrimage. A couple, you know, had foreign accents. A couple had come a long way. They got pictures taken everywhere. One of the memorials is kind of this kind of black concrete box pillar thing with a big, huge guitar coming out of the top, like a concrete guitar and a picture of Kurt Cobain, along with the air guitar stand. There's a memorial in the ground with some quotes from him. I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I am not. I love that quote. Be honest with yourself, folks. If you don't lie about who you are, you'll never have to worry about telling the truth. And while there might be some people that don't like you for who you are, you will know that the ones that like you, they really like you. Wanting to be someone else is a waste of the person you are. Man, then this is before Facebook culture and Instagram culture and everyone going, look at me, be like me. The duty of youth is to challenge corruption. Yes, it is. I would hope the duty of all of us is to challenge corruptions. Drugs are bad for you. They blank you up. And what's funny is it was a curse word he said and on the actual memorial. It's kind of like written over the F blank, blank, blank word. We play so hard, they can't tune our guitars fast enough. Holding my baby is the best drug in the world. My name is Kurt, and I sing and play the guitar, and I'm walking, talking, bacterial infection. Man, that last quote's a heartbreaker, isn't it? My name is Kurt, and I sing and play the guitar, and I'm a walking, talking, bacterial infection. That hole that began growing up in Aberdeen, coming up in a home with divorced parents, living on the edge of the world, no doubt at school, wasn't the most popular kid. Ended up living under a bridge. 
And even when he was famous, even when he had everything, what did he feel like? He felt like an infection, infection to the point that no doubt influenced by drugs and alcohol and isolated and alone, alone in a room in a house in Seattle, far from Aberdeen. You know, it's a two, three hour drive from Seattle to Aberdeen, it's a ways. And instead of being under that bridge or in that small little home, he was in a million dollar house up in the garden room, put a shotgun to his head and pulled the trigger because he felt like an infection. I want you to remember, though, two things about Kurt Cobain. Two things, and I think they're important to remember, especially in times like these, as we all go through this journey of life, and sometimes we feel like infections. The first one is this. Where did that grunge music come out of? Where did Kurt Cobain come out of? One of, one of the things I think that depressed him is that fame brought him something he didn't want. Fame brought him this veneer this veneer of like falsehood. Look at this famous person without really knowing who they are. And really the essence of grunge was reality, was grunge, was grit. It came out of a time of the 80s of hair metal bands, bands that were overproduced, bands that were put together, not kids that came up together, growing together, playing in a garage, but highly polished musicians put together in like super bands and Nirvana was kind of a reaction to all of that. They didn't want to be polished. They didn't want to be overproduced. They didn't want to be put together. They wanted to be organic. They wanted to be real. I think that's what made that music so appealing. I think it's what made Nirvana so appealing. And as they got bigger and as they got more famous, Kurt Cobain reeled from that. Somewhere inside, he knew that is not what I want to be. I can't help but wonder if one of the reasons that Kurt Cobain turned to suicide is that growing up in Aberdeen, he didn't want to be there. Becoming a musician, he thought that's what his identity would be, yet it still was that of being an infection. And then he had all this fame and fortune, and that didn't bring him any peace. It didn't bring him any hope, and he probably felt like, okay, what am I left with now? What's left? What is left? And then the second thing I want you to remember about Kurt Cobain is this, in spite of all his riches, in spite of all his fame, he couldn't find a reason to live. He really couldn't get to the core of his identity because if his identity was really in grunge and that kid under a bridge, that identity probably would have brought him some happiness, but it didn't. The reality of Kurt Cobain really was just one of anger and running away and drugs. The beauty of Kurt Cobain was this, you know, we look at the bad stuff. We look at all that. We look at the drugs. We look at the suicide. And we forget that that kid still overcame a lot. Think of what Kurt Cobain overcame to learn his instrument. Have you ever tried to play guitar? Try to play it like Kurt Cobain. The hours that it takes, the weeks, the months, the years. He overcame his depression and his drugs and his family and the town he grew up in to learn his instrument and to learn to write songs beautifully and to sing. That's amazing. It's amazing. It should be amazing to you. Try it yourself. Try to sing a song, record it, see what you sound like. Try to sit down and write a song or some good lyrics. It is years of dedication and hardship going after something that 
very few people are going to experience actually being able to be a professional musician, somebody on the radio. Amazing things, things to look up to, perseverance, dedication, hard work, yet all of that perseverance, dedication, and hard work could not bring him happiness. And I would suggest something. If you look at his life, what was he missing? He was missing the things that we talk about. One, he was missing God, that's for sure. And he knew it too. He struggled with God. He just didn't blanket say, oh, God doesn't exist. I'm an atheist. I'm not going to have that talk. He talked about wrestling with God, whether to believe or not to believe or what God was like and what church did to him. Unfortunately, he had a lot of bad examples coming to him from his church and his upbringing and the people around him. Secondly, the thing I don't think he ever found was true, close family. He was always at odds with his family growing up. He was not in a good marriage. You know, he had his daughter, yet with a daughter in his arms, he still used drugs. With a daughter in his arms, he couldn't find peace. And then community. You know, think about it. You know, that, that life of a musician moving around one city to the next. Your friends or other musicians doing the same. How much daily closeness do you really have? I mean, think about it. He was a famous guy that had been in his home for days, dead, with his brains blown apart. And no one really knew what was going on. Oh, where's Kurt? You know, maybe he's off somewhere. You know, because why? Because it, it's kind of a fake connection. So thinking about Kurt Cobain and that visit to Aberdeen, Washington, and looking under the bridge and the dirt and the graffiti and the people that come, in a sense, to worship him, many of them. I'm not sure he's worthy of being worshipped, but he's definitely someone we can learn from, someone in some ways we can look up to. I look up to what he overcame to accomplish what he did, but it is a word of warning. It's a word of warning that no matter how great you are, no matter how brilliant you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how well you can sing, if you get away from those things that sustain us, life can tear you up. Life can turn you into that dirt. Life can make you feel like you are an infection, even though you're someone who has inspired millions of people. So I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. One, pray for Kurt Cobain and his family and his daughter and his friends. Pray for him. Make it real. That's a real person. Two, do something great. Do something great. Learn from the many great things about someone like Kurt Cobain. Get good at something. I don't care if it's good at cutting wood because that's a skill, let me tell you. Or good at a guitar, or good at photography, or good at cooking, or good at loving and hugging and squeezing. I don't care what it is. Get good at something. Put the time in. I mean, commit yourself to the things that no amount of pain and drugs can take away from you if you hold on to them and you embrace them and you nurture them. You know, your faith, your family, your community. And maybe then... Maybe just then you will be able to aim high, but towards the things that matter, not towards this sort of blind hope that fame and fortune and lights are going to make me feel better and give me an identity and to help me escape my demons, but aim high towards those things given us by the one who created us an ability to pray an ability to worship an ability to love, to forgive to get down on our knees and say, hey, I'm helpless, I need help. And then you'll be able to spread your wings to do a lot of things, not just play the guitar and write songs, but to love and to go for walks and enjoy the silence and to smell the breeze. And then you'll be able to keep your eyes on the things that matter, the things that sadly, more than likely, Kurt kept being distracted from. 
the simple things. And then what happens when you can't keep your eyes on the things that matter? You know what happens? You start putting your eyes on the things that don't matter but make you think they do. You try to escape with drugs, with sex, with despair, with anger, pointing fingers, bitterness, all the things that just create bigger holes and give us more obstacles to overcome but never fully satisfy. But you, my friends, you, my friends, you will join me on this odyssey and together we will keep our eyes on the things that matter, our family, our faith, our freedom, our community, and then we'll be able to journey to places like Aberdeen, Washington, to appreciate the good and the bad, to learn, not to judge, to love, to find hope, to inspire others, to pray for those who might not have learned the lessons that life tries so hard to teach us, whether it's with joy or a thorn in the side. So my friends, together, whether it be Aberdeen, Washington, or rural Indiana, wherever you may be, together on this journey, may we find peace. You've been listening to The Pilgrim's Odyssey. Make sure you comment, share, and like this podcast so all of us together can let our light shine. For books, videos, and more content from me, your host, please visit Silouan.com. That is Silouan, S-I-L-O-U-A-N.com. Until your next visit on The Pilgrim's Odyssey, I'm your guide on life's wild ride, Silouan Green. Smell the grass through the trees I just rode